Boker Tov, everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. Such a joy to be with everybody. Hope you're having a great morning thus far. We are in the second reading of our Parsha Behelotka. And this is going to be uh, found in the book of Numbers, chapter 8. We'll begin reading here in verse 15. And uh, the, the third, uh, excuse me, the second reading goes from the uh, first 15 to the end of the chapter. Hope you're having a good day. Hope everybody was able to join us for our uh, mikvah dedication yesterday. And I know there were several people who got to see the mikvah for the very first time. And uh, it was, it's just beautiful. It's, it's, uh, uh, Rebbe and I were talking about this uh, yesterday. She mentioned it, that, that maybe uh, it, it hasn't quite sunk in yet. No pun intended. <laughs> talking about water. But it, cause it hasn't quite um, sunk in yet that we have a mikvah. And as I was speaking yesterday and uh, providing the remarks and, and, the, and the prayer uh, about the mikvah, it just occurred to me again just how unique and how special uh, it is, as I said yesterday, and, and I continue to say it, and I, I at the risk of, of sounding repetitive, it just is amazing. Uh, uh, you know, there's all kinds of mikvahs uh, in the world, uh, beautiful ones, and uh, most every, well, I would assume every Orthodox synagogue has a mikvah or has access to a mikvah, um, but um, but there isn't a there isn't a congregation uh, that believes in Yeshua uh, that that a has a mikvah, a kosher one, um, and, and b cares to have one. Maybe 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 b should come before a that 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 even cares to have one. Uh, for the sake of family purity, for the sake of conversions, for the sake of uh, teshuva, um, etc., and then and then of course, uh, who has created one or built one? Um, it's just amazing, and to think that we have uh, have had the opportunity as a community to make such a mikvah is is humbling and um, just. Uh, it's indescribable. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for um, uh, joining with us yesterday as we were celebrating. Many of you were there in person, and uh, some of you, or most of you, were, were online uh, joining. It's just, uh, it's just amazing. And of course, the beauty of it, the um, the magnificent nature of it, all that Hashem has done uh, with respect to. Uh, to it, to it being fed primarily uh, by a, an underground uh, well, um, you know, who who would have thought of that? The, the highest level of mikvah you can have is a mikvah that is fed by spring water, and um, you know, here we have a spring water. You know, um, Shoshana and I, um, when we were looking for a building, oh, which by the way, thank God for our building. We've had this building now for, what is it now, four years? Four years we, we, we bought this building, which, by the way, that was a miracle. Buying the building was a miracle. Uh, raising the money for a six-figure down payment, um, more than six-figure, uh, was unbelievable. Um, and, and then, the, and then the, anyway, I, I don't want to get off the, the building is a miracle. So anyway, thank God for it. So... We were looking for a building, and uh, I'm telling you right now, if you don't have a building, it's 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 bad. 
<laughs> There's people out there that say, it's not about the building, it's about the people. Yeah, the only people who have a building say that. Um, uh, it is about the people. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, the, the people matter the most, of course, but uh, it's very difficult to, to have the people if you don't have a building. That's probably the best way to put it. It's very much a challenge to have to, to have people if you don't have a building. Uh, but I digress. But while we were talking about this, we, we, we really felt like that Hashem was saying, you know, your, your building that you're going to have, uh, this property that you're going to have, is going to have a well on it. Uh, really, honestly. I've, uh, I have notes to that effect, um, where we felt that impression. And so there were some properties that we looked at, one of which actually had a well on it, and it, it fell through. We didn't, we didn't, didn't get that. Very disappointing. Then we bought this property. Well, there's no well on this property, but you know, sometimes you, you think, well, okay. I mean, we might have misheard. That might have been um, wishful thinking. That might have been, uh, you know, might have been us. Might have been too much kosher pizza. Uh, whatever. And so we just like, hey, look, you know, we uh, we took the the property because it was the, it was a deal. Hashem uh, confirmed it, and here we are. So we kind of say hey, that's what it is. Little did we know that a couple of years later we would actually purchase a property, another an additional property, and build a mikvah on it, only to discover that it was that property that also belongs to the synagogue that has the well on it. Oh, and by the way, uh, the well is going to supply the water to you, to the mikvah. So um, that just goes to show you that sometimes we hear from God and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we hear from God and we think, well, I thought I heard from God on that. Just give it time. Give it time. So um, just amazing. But I just want to share that little story with you. Our whole, uh, our whole ministry life is a miracle. My whole life is a miracle, and I realize as I, as I live, that um, as you get deep into Torah, and as you, well, at least for me, I speak for myself, but you, you begin to realize, at least I do, that um, like my whole existence is about Hashem, and the lo- the day by day, it seems like I. I understand that reality more and more, that um, you just have to be, we have to be in the world, right? Uh, to be in the world but not of the world is actually a Jewish idea, not a Christian idea. Again, nothing new in the New Testament. And so you have to be somebody who's involved and, you know, uh, to uh, involved in, in, in worldly things in terms of work and, and so on. God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to to be angels and to live in the spirit all the time and be one of those kind of strange people. And if you're one of these people, I don't mean any offense, but don't be one of those people that, you know, every time you, you get up in the morning, you know, the Lord spoke to me and he said, thou shalt go and make a cup of coffee and fill it with cream and sugar and thou shalt enjoy it. I only get a cup of coffee. If the Lord speaks, don't be that kind of person. Okay. At the same time, realize that, uh, because that's weird. Don't be that kind of person because God didn't tell you to go get a cup of coffee. You, you're, you're awake. Go get a cup of coffee or, or tea or, or water or whatever you want to drink. But, um, 
But at the same time, we have to understand that our whole life is about God's mission in our life. And when we realize that, that's what really gives our life value. Um, something else that Shoshana said last night that I thought was good was that uh, we want to be involved in our world and we want to... I'm very politi- I'm a very a political person. I have a lot of political opinions. I'm very, very, very conservative in my political point of view. Um, I vote red all the time and uh, all of that. So I'm very involved. I watch the news. I pay attention to things. But at the same time, so you want to be involved in that. You, you want to be, it's important. But at the same time, uh, understand that, that don't let that rule your life. The forces of darkness, they do exist, and they want to change the narrative. They want us to get us focused on um, all these types of things. They want us to buy into premises, you know, uh, that that our whole country and, and society is just a big, hot, corrupt mess. And, and as I was saying on Shabbat, I just want to continue this thought, is that we don't have to buy into that narrative. We don't have to buy into the narrative. We we can buy into the narrative that in fact, instead of declining, we're on the up. We're 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 doing better. Then instead of that, everything is just a total disaster. We can say actually, no, it's not. More and more people, and this is actually true. More and more people are coming to revelation of Torah knowledge. You know how many people? This is a handful of people, but people that have significant people positions of leadership yesterday in our city were present at our mikvah dedication. They came to to honor us and to celebrate with us. But these are people who have significant positions of leadership within our city. And they came there and they learned for the very first time what a mikvah is, how it relates to Christian baptism. And in other words, for the very first time, people who have significant positions of leadership have were heard words of Torah truth yesterday. Now that can only have a positive effect which means things are only getting better. So uh, I want to lead out with that today, that we want to be positive people. We want to work on our um, our faith. And by the way, can I share something else with you while I'm on a roll? Yesterday, we had a little bit of an incident. I didn't witness it, but several of our other families did. And... Apparently, one of the neighbors, may God help them, uh, was very ugly to one of our families, and in particular, uh, this said something extremely inappropriate, and it's just anti-Semitism, to one of our little girls. And so, um, it's anti-Semitism, it's, it's hatred, it's just the enemy being stirred up. What was my first inclination? Well, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Rabbi's first inclination was to bless them and to pray and all that. No, my first inclination was I walked over there. Of course, the the coward was gone. I shouldn't say that. The man was gone. He quickly got into his truck and left. First first man who walked over there to to try to assist was Menashe, which is not somebody I'd want to mess with, by the way. Um, Then I walked over there and he, you know, my first inclination was... Do we have a problem here? And I, I understand you like to say little the little eight-year-old girls, but how would you like to say that to me? That's my first inclination. <clears throat> I'm not saying it's the right inclination. I'm just telling you that's the carnal inclination. Of course, he was gone, and so I went about my business. 
But then later, I thought, you know, that we read this blessing every day, that um, may my soul be like dust to all who curse me. And so I decided that the best course of action was to pray for this person. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, duh, Rabbi, uh, you being a spiritual man ought to know that. Right, right, I do know that. And I'm also a man. And when you insult one of my families, when you insult one of my little girls, um, she's not my girl by, she's not, you know, you understand what I mean. She's another father's daughter, but the father wasn't there. Then uh, I'm probably going to try to handle it, but I probably shouldn't. So all I'm trying to say is that uh, this is a, it was a good, it was actually good is what I'm trying to say. It was good from the standpoint of this person just has a hate problem. They, they, their, their life needs to be changed. Okay. It was good for me personally. I can't speak for anybody else, but it was good for me personally to learn how to digest that and turn it into a, a, a sincere compassion and concern for somebody. Was I upset? Yeah, I was. But now I look at it more as pity. I pity the person. Um, so anyway, I hope that helps you. I just felt, thought I would share. Um, and maybe because listen, you're going to run into these kind of things. We all are in our life. We're going to run into, uh, discrimination as a Jewish man. I have run into discrimination, prejudice, anti-Semitism. Um, as a white person, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've run into prejudice as a white person. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's just going to happen in life. And so we have to learn the Torah way of dealing with that. So hopefully that helps somebody this morning. And uh, Baruch Hashem. Yes, yes. Like Rebbe said, we're all working on our Musar. All the time. Life is a test. Life is a challenge. So here's the reading. It's a good day, though. But it just goes to show you that even in the middle of a good spiritual day, um, in the midst of a good spiritual day, these kind of, that kind of stuff can happen, and you have to be careful not to let it get you off your game. And Keturah is right. Yeah, if if that if the little girl's father had been around, trust me, um, he would have never said that because the father's uh, her daddy is also nobody to be messed with. I guarantee. Um, but you know that's how cowards are. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I'm judging somebody. Help him, Lord, and help me, Lord. All right, verse uh, chapter eight and verse fifteen. It says, Thereafter the Levites shall come to serve the tent of meeting. You shall purify them, and you shall wave them as a wave service. For presented, presented are they to me from among the children of Israel in place of the first issue of every womb. The firstborn of every one of the children of Israel have I taken them to myself. For every firstborn of the children of Israel become mine, a man and livestock, on the day I struck every firstborn of the land of Mitzrayim. I sanctified them for myself. I took the Levites in place of every firstborn among the children of Israel. Then I assigned the Levites to be presented to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to perform the service of the children of Israel and the tent of meeting and to provide atonement for the children of Israel so that there will not be a plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel approach the sanctuary. Moses, Aaron, and their entire assembly of the children of Israel did to the Levites according to everything that Adonai had commanded Moshe about the Levites, so did the children of Israel do to them. 
The Levites purified themselves and immersed their garments, and Aaron waved them as a wave service for Adonai. And Aaron provided atonement for them to purify them. Afterwards, the Levites came to perform their service at the tent of meeting before Aaron and his sons, as Adonai had commanded Moshe concerning the Levites. So they did for them. Adonai spoke to Moshe, saying, This shall apply to the Levites from every, from, excuse me, from 25 years of age and up. He shall join the legion of the service of the tent of meeting. From 50 years of age, he shall withdraw from the legion of the work and no longer work. He shall minister with his brethren in the tent of meeting to safeguard the charge. But work shall he not perform, so shall you do to the Levites concerning their charge. That's the end of our uh, reading. So um, I want to go back to a couple of insights that I didn't quite get to yesterday with respect to the lighting of the candle, the candelabra, that is the menorah. And then I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, the Levites inauguration. So it says here, when you can, uh, when you kindle the lights. So first, let me see from the Gutnik Chumash. It says, we are taught in Proverbs, man's soul is a lamp of God. That's in Proverbs 20, 27. Man's soul is a lamp of God. It says that that the soul is a part of us and is connected to God. Slika. Okay. So the, our soul is a part of who we are, but our soul is also, also a part of a shim. The, the soul that God placed within us is pure. Our soul is connected uh, to Hashem. And it's connected to the Mashiach, right? In, inside the Mashiach, the sages say that um, all the souls of Israel exist within him. Now, this makes sense because if you remember what Amet was sharing uh, before the service on, on Shabbat, he was saying that the the, the name Israel is an, is an acronym that means that there are 600,000 letters in the Torah. And he was pointing out that every Jew is one of, the, one of the letters. And there aren't any insignificant letters. There are different letters. There are letters who are small, letters that are large, letters that are elongated, and letters even that are broken. Some letters are even backwards. So sometimes we find Jews in our midst, members of our community, that are a little broken, they're a little backwards, they're a little large, they're a little elongated, some look normal, and so on. But all the letters are important, and we have to learn to love even those letters that seem backwards or seem broken, and and to appreciate them and love them. But if you put all that together, you have all the souls of Jews are the letters in the Torah. And by the way, I should point out that um, it was said that Rabbi Akiva, who himself was a convert, used to study the, the crowns of the Torah. The question became, why did he study the crowns of the Torah? And the answer is, is because the converts who come into Israel, so if, the, if, if Jews are the letters of the Torah, then the, the question naturally becomes, well, what about converts who are also Jews? But what about them specifically? If they come into the Torah, the Torah already exists. Presumably, the souls of the Jewish people already exist. But what about those who join the Jewish people and become Jews? Not spiritual Jews only, but Jews in their entirety. And the answer is was given that the converts are represented in the Torah vis-a-vis the crowns of the Torah. Those are the little, the little jots and tittles that are 
emerge from from the letters of the Torah scroll. Well, if you think about that, there are 600,000 letters in the Torah. Many letters have multiple crowns or multiple, um, yeah, well, crowns, little jots and tittles. So that means that there, there are quite a few more converts than there are Jews. How many more? I don't know. I don't know how many crowns are in the Torah. But if you figure that each letter could have multiple crowns, then you could multiply 600,000 by two or three or four, perhaps. Which means there's a quite a bit more. And I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that those numbers, if, you, if somebody counted them all up, didn't somehow equal the number of Jews that came out of Egypt versus the number from the mixed multitude. I would not be surprised at all to find out that the numbers are exact. But the point is, is that the converts are represented vis-a-vis -vis the crowns of the Torah. Now, what's another significant point of that? One of the significant points of that is <clears throat> that when the uh, Romans were mocking the Messiah, they put upon him a crown of thorns. By the way, in the Torah scroll, whenever you make a little line like that, it's, it's one of the names of that in Hebrew is thorn. So literally, quite literally... The letters of the Torah have crowns on them, and they quite literally are crowns of thorns. So when they put the crown of thorns on him and mocked him and bowed down to him, they thought they were mocking him, but in fact, they were making a prophetic declaration that we, that is the Gentiles, will be grafted into you vis-a-vis -vis the crown, and there were bowing down to you. So, Going back to what I started out with, you have a Matt who's saying that all the letters and the crowns are the souls of Israel and they're in the Torah. And Israel is an acronym that means 600,000 letters in the Torah. The Torah is Mashiach, which is why all the souls of Israel and the converts are in Mashiach, because everything's in Mashiach. Going back here, it says, However, in order to enjoy the great benefits of this soul, the correct switch must be found or the proper button must be pushed. It was the Baal Shem Tov's mission to explain and proclaim that every Jew without exception is connected with God and that every one of them has a switch inside which, if searched for, can be found. And it says, and, and this message is conveyed by the opening of our parasha, where God instructs Aaron to fire up. That is, that's what the, that's what the phrase Becha Olatka literally means, to fire up. To fire up. Don't you like that? We say, you know, the, the, the Torah portion begins um, here you know, how does it say it exactly? Let me see how, let me just turn it here right quickly. I just love the way that Hebrew works because it's translated, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you kindle the lamps. So, so Behalotka is when you kindle the lamps, but the literal translation, if you wanted to be literal with this word, it means when you fire up the lamps, when you fire them up. This is what the Aliyah day does for us. This is what the prayer does with us. This is what, it, when we examine ourselves every day, this is what we do. It fires us up. And by the way, 
can I just remind us all that yesterday was yesterday. Um, you know, I was watching a, a, a short video clip. Sometimes in the course of my day, uh, maybe maybe it's it, these are just little outlets where I'm 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 busy doing whatever it is that I'm doing, and then I'll sometimes I'll just watch a short little clip on YouTube, and I think in in a way for me anyway, it just kind of resets my mind for just a moment that I can come back and focus. So it was a short little clip. It was an interview by William Shatner. Some, someone was interviewing Captain Kirk. He was talking about his favorite episode of the Star Trek series, and it was just fascinating. Uh, no pun intended. To <laughs> just you know, just to listen to him talk about his favorite episode, and it had to do with um, uh, the city on the edge of forever. I think was the name of the episode. But that that whole point of of the of the show had to do with um, choices and destiny and that kind of stuff. But anyway, in the course of that, he said. It has to do with regret. You know, if you had gone this way, uh, you, you, you might have gone left, but instead you went right. And you, you regret because, you know, maybe going right seemingly wasn't, didn't turn out the best, and you regret having not gone left. But you don't know. He's, his point was, you have no idea that had you gone left that things had, would have worked out differently or that it might not have brought you in a full circle back to your right uh, and you would have ended up there anyway. And, and but one thing he said yesterday in that little short clip was that that um, regret and I love this regret is a useless emotion. I thought that was brilliant. Regret is a useless emotion because he said there's nothing you can do about it. Now I could argue that it's not exactly entirely useless because regret leads us to teshuva. But uh, while that's technically true, the reality is, is that in and of itself, regret is useless because there's nothing you can do about it. You can regret all day long and it, it, it doesn't do anything. And so bring, bring us back to every day is a brand new day. There's no sense in regretting yesterday to the extent to the extent that it leads you to, to to teshuva great but beyond that it's useless to sit around and regret the best thing to do is to begin at the moment to do better to do right so we have a switch inside and we need to get fired up it says Firing up the lamps represents finding the switch or button within every Jew, igniting a fiery love of God which lies dormant in the soul. And Aaron the priest represents the Jewish leaders of every generation who are empowered by God with the special talents to find the switch in every Jew and help him or her become connected with his own internal spiritual powerhouse. You know, I mentioned that, uh, you know, we had some guests there at the mikvah who are not part of the community that were, were there to celebrate with us and support us, and and they got a little bit of an education about the mikvah and so on. 
And we're reading here about firing up, finding that switch. Now, this is talking about the switch within every Jew, but I would just say that there's a, there's a godly switch because every human being has a soul, and that soul is directly connected to Hashem, which means there's a switch in there somewhere. And a lot of times, we think that we have to bring somebody to perfect faith. We have to get them to accept the Torah. We have to get them to accept the one true God. We have to get them to accept living a Jewish life. We have to get them to come into the fig tree and buy all the accoutrements, um, you know, uh, now and all this kind of stuff. But but that's not always true. Sometimes all we have to do is is light the candle. Sometimes all we have to do is push the button, flip the switch, encourage them to do one thing, encourage them to have one mitzvah. You know, uh, something that I've, I've had on, on, on the back burner as an example is, is in the art scroll. I'm, I'm looking for it. Oh, it's on the shelf over there. <clears throat> in the art scroll to book I have in the back, there is a phenomenal prayer, um, for the sick. And, I've prayed that prayer for some people in our congregation um, a few times. And I uh, was thinking, you know, there's people in hospitals, there's people in nursing homes, there's people in our in communities that need this prayer. So I transposed it and made a little handout for it. And uh, I intend to send it over to Zake and Yosef and have it printed out on some nice stock. And I just want to give it away. I want to, my plan would be to print out hundreds of them and just take them down to the hospitals. And if there's a place where they allow that kind of stuff to be put out for people to take as they, as they desire to put them out. And I was thinking that it's a prayer you know, right is so beautiful, uh, quoting Torah, quoting the word of God. And so there's people out there that need healing and they need that such a prayer. And at the same time, that could be that little button, that little flame, that little spark that lights people on fire for a love of God. So the encouragement to all of us, because we think, well, I, I've in really, in order to reach somebody, I've really got to change them. I've got to have them davening three times a day, uh, koshering their kitchen, in order, I've got to have them, uh, you know, uh, really make a life transition. You know, don't even think about that. Just get them to light candles on Friday night. Get them to say a little, a little blessing, a little bracha before they eat. Teach them how to say the blessing before they drink a cup of wine. Imagine your friend who just enjoys wine and you've talked to them and and you've just taught them how to say the blessing. And so now, whenever they have a glass of wine, maybe at dinner, they say, huh, that, you know, and they're saying that one, that's the only thing they ever say. But it's that little spark that ignites the fire and the passion in their heart. That's the encouragement today. End of our Aliyah. We are out of time, but we're not out of con content. We have a lot more to share. There's all kinds of things I want to share about uh, the Levites. We're going to get that to tomorrow. There's some other in in very interesting things to say about Akidat Yitzhak and uh, the challenge that we were having in the wilderness with respect to Torah. But we'll get to that tomorrow with God's help. Until then, have a beautiful, amazing, and wonderful day. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow. Shalom Aleichem.